Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where every single week, I, guy who used to have sleepovers as an adult with this guy, hey, <laughs> my name's Jared, his name's Corey, and we are doing this episode today. We've got a beer. <laughs> well, Corey has a beer and a beer mustache. I don't yeah. have a beer, but I still have a drinky drink. And we're, we're excited to be here with you today. Today, today is going to be more of a lighthearted episode. Um, we're going to do a Q&A, random questions, some thought-provoking questions that you can answer at home as well. And you can share with your buddies at, at home. Um, and we have, we're going to create some good conversations surrounding it. So yeah, what's if up? nothing else, it'll uh, bring some interesting conversation to whoever you're with. Yeah. Share it at your next cocktail party or happy hour that you yeah. host at your house. It'll be a hoot. Yeah. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be the talk yeah. of the town. I listened to a podcast the other day on how to throw a two hour cocktail party. I was like, man, that sounds like pretty interesting. Pretty, you know pretty what? Cool. My, I don't know if your parents did this. I remember when I was a kid Man, we don't, we haven't like done this we, mostly because we don't have any friends that live around us really, but like having a big party at the house mm-hmm. right? where like people come over and there's small talk and there's drinks and whatever and like kids are running around. My parents did that pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Man, we should have a cocktail party. Yeah. You get to rub shoulders with people. I remember being a kid and uh, my parents didn't do, it too, didn't do it too much, but I think I remember a couple where as a kid, like you're, you're like, go to bed and it's like 8 30 and you got your jammies yeah. and then like it's loud music going on like yeah. loud stuff. so you like sneak down on the stairs and like look down see what's going on yeah and uh yeah i remember that a couple times but yeah the, it, totally you know it, i think it's really cool the podcast i listened to the episode was on um art of manliness mm-hmm. they brought a guy in there and he is like really good at throwing cocktail parties i guess and he's like i thought the most interesting part of it was you Get 15 people. 15 is a perfect number because you, you don't want too many or too Agreed. little because yeah. the conversations are, are a little weird, I guess. Yeah. So what you want to do, this is the most interesting part. You say, hey, we're doing this from 7 p.m. is the start time to 9 p.m. Yeah. Like so many parties that we go to are just like, hey, come over and like, you know, whenever it goes to, which is chill. It's too, super cool. You know, you know, but this is an interesting concept. And that like, hey, nine o'clock rolls around. Mm-hmm. Last call. If anyone yeah. wants one more. And then, you know, we're going to wrap it Get up. Get the hell out. Yeah. 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 You would think like off the cuff is like, oh, that's kind of rude. But then like you say it in a certain way. He described it really well. It was like, hey, last call. We're going to start wrapping things up. You know, finish your drinks, finish your conversations. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for coming. And we hopefully we'll do this again soon. And I was like, man, that sounds nice because it takes so much pressure off people, people that have kids, babysitters. You get a babysitter for two hours and you know it's two hours, right? Right. Super convenient. I um, We had our baby shower a couple weeks ago uh, at Perrin Brewing Company and it was two hours. So from Mm -hmm. 12 to two, we had about 30 people there and man, it was so much fun. Like uh, there was a lot of different people from a lot of different parts of our lives. So like. It was interesting to see that, first of all, like you had some family and then friends all from sort of different segments of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, just jumping around to those different groups and like 
jumping in the conversation. And luckily, that group of people doesn't do like small talk, like "oh, how's the weather" or whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's like good conversation. So, yeah, it's good stuff. We should like someday, someday soon. Hopefully, maybe we can mm-hmm. do a like a, a cocktail party. Yeah, that was great with hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, with hors d'oeuvres and like a themed like party drink. Well, here's the thing. Okay, themed party drink. Yeah, I saw it. If you listen to this podcast, what he says. I'm not, I'm going to keep referring back to it because I'm not an expert, but we have all these ideas. Oh, let's make it so cool. And he's like, yeah. listen, the simpler, the better. If you have a dinner party, this is too much stress for the host. But if you have just a cocktail party with like a self-made cocktail bar, um, this is low stress. You just get to enjoy the time with yeah. these people. And uh, it's not a big commitment. And that's thing, seven to nine, low commitment for people. 12 to two yeah. baby shower. Hey, that's low stress. I'm just going to show up. It's easy for me to show up for a half hour, 45 minutes. I don't like it. I'll leave. Yeah. It's like, man, what a great idea. What a great, great idea. Something I, than, um, yeah. if I ever get to a point where I have a lot of friends that live close enough, I, uh, I like the idea of doing like a, um, like whiskey tasting party. So like everybody comes over, bring your kids, whatever. But like, you bring a bo- <laughs> but yeah, like you bring, just, just shut up. Listen, I don't know. Hey, hey we'll, we'll stick it, get a dip your finger in there and give it under their tongue. It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean like, so you, everyone brings a bottle. And, um, and then you have like, it's like a tasting, you know, uh, not like a tasting like we did a couple years ago, uh, where yeah. we did 18 whiskeys, which was a blast. And I would totally do that again. I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> I would do maybe so. a little would, more responsibly. I'd, I'd, I'd hang out with you again, but not do that. We could do that. it a little more responsibly, but man, that was wild. I was uh, drunk for 24 hours. Yeah, that was crazy. That was seriously pretty, pretty wild. But like, it's fun to do because I know a lot about I know way more about bourbon than I did then. And like leading the tasting and hearing, you know, here's my bottle. Here's the history of this distillery. Here's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and that like that immediately makes a conversation. That's why I like whiskey tastings a lot these days, uh, because I just know a lot more. So it's more it's fun. Uh, That would be cool. I would be down for that. Very. uh controlled environment yeah someone's i would be checking you first of all i would change that night i would eat something i would eat Mm. the pizzas that we made it's plural yeah we made pizzas i didn't have a single one and i would also cater down on maybe by like 10 we could have cut down yeah (laughs) but you know that was i mean uh, yeah i mean there's been very few nights since college where i've been that intoxicated as well yeah but man it was a good time (laughs) yeah so a two-hour cocktail, but it sounds way better than like yeah the old college days. I show up at eight and leave at four. Don't <laughs> don't leave, you know. Don't yeah. leave. Just die yeah. here. Um. So yeah. Well, let's get it. Let's get into today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? That was a fun little intro. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna run through some questions here. I got a good amount. You got a couple. We're gonna start the first one. What is a celebrity death that affected you the most? Oh man. There's, there's three really that, um, that come to mind all kind of affected me in different ways, but all very much in a real way. Uh, Robin Williams, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, I loved Robin Williams movies. He was so full of joy and just, yeah, made a lot of people smile. Um, and it was really sad that, you know, that's how things went. Uh, Chester Bennington, Lincoln Park lead singer. Mm. Um, 
loved Linkin Park growing up. One of my favorite bands since, you know, they've been making music since, you know, 2001 or whatever. Uh, and I loved Linkin Park as long as I could remember. And yeah, that one still gets me. Like when I hear his music, it's like, man, that's just. And but when you listen to his music now, you can like. You think like, man, he he was telling us the whole time. He was telling us the whole time. Um, that one that one hurt a lot. But uh, and the third one, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I I always really appreciated Anthony Bourdain and his thought provoking TV shows. Um, no reservations and the one he did on CNN and, um, he, I just loved the, the, it was good entertainment. He always had really interesting takes on things and I appreciated that. Um, and I think it's sad because all three of those were suicides and those people arguably Mm -hmm. have had lives that we would all aspire to, you know, want. But clearly, man, I don't know. But yeah, and then honorable mention, Steve Irwin. Mm. Yeah, Steve Irwin. Yeah. No better way for him to go out. If I, I mean, if you had to pick a way for somebody to go, like getting killed by a wild animal, that was that was the way pretty it should Steve have been. Irwin, for him. But yeah, pretty Steve Irwin. But that one sucked because he again he was like this bright ray of joy in the world and uh, really brought a lot during his time on the planet. Uh, I'm going to answer these two. I would agree with one of yours there, and that's Chester. That one, as an adult, it for sure affected me because I think the people in his circle knew. The public, maybe I didn't know, really. I thought it was... Yeah, I didn't really Lincoln, either. Linkin Park yeah. was like, you know, it's a hardcore band, you know? Yeah. But the thing that got me about that was, like, people had reports, friends, family had reports that he was, like, totally normal the day before. Yeah. Like, seemingly normal, happy, yeah. smiling with his kids, and then boom. Um, that's just really scary to me. It is. Um, and just heartbreaking. So that that's not my first one, but I'll just agree with you on that one. My first one uh, was Carrie Fisher. The reason it was, she had like a bunch of health issues, mental health issues, but uh, just like a cultural impact uh, for me yeah. of Star Wars. And I think when the other two uh, pass away, <clears throat> though it will have a bigger impact, but she's so far... The only celebrity death that I actually shed a tear to. I remember that scene in Rise of Skywalker when, uh, specifically when Chewbacca finds out that mm. Princess Leia had died, or whatever. that was everybody. That hit me hard. It hit me really, really hard. And that because, yeah. So that, I agree with that. That that was the like the the second bright spot of that whole sequel series. Yeah, was that moment. And I was like, dude, if you guys... Okay, we're not going to get into it. Yeah, no, let's not. <laughs> because we will... You we almost will not, had us. You yeah. almost had us. Kevin. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. <laughs> but um, if you did just tap into that emotion the whole time, we would make good movies. Um, but Carrie Fisher was probably the most uh, affected. And I think celebrity deaths are going to become... We live in such a, like, a public persona world, right? Of celebrities. We're growing up with these people. Yeah. These celebrities are going to keep passing away as they get older and more and more of these are going to come. It's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the world copes. Like I was thinking about this question. I was like, man, who like when Eminem passes away, if we see that, uh, yeah, like, just that was just one example, like Mark yeah. Hamill, Harrison Ford, uh, any, I mean, name them. These huge A lot of these icons. people that we've kind of grown up with. Yeah. Like Tom Hanks. That'll Tom be, Hanks. Yeah. yeah. 
Tim you, Allen, all these guys. Yeah. You it's those types of things where you, when it happens, you don't really appreciate what they have done for you in your life. Just mm-hmm. as like an entertainment standpoint until they are gone. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of interesting question. Yeah. I think that's true for everybody. Like appreciate, learn to appreciate what you have and your friends and your family and people in general. Like you never know who, what cool person you're going to get a chance to talk to mm-hmm. who realistically they could be dead tomorrow. They could be dead in 10 minutes. You never, yeah. I mean, you literally never know when your time is going to come. So try That's to learn point. to appreciate people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I want to do one more for you since it's on the same kind of topic. What is one movie that has moved you to tears? Bud. Bud? Yeah. So uh, that was just like calling you Bud. Oh, I was like, Bud. like Air Bud? <laughs> Dude. Yeah, man. I did cry to Air Bud when yeah. I was a kid, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I find the older I get, the more susceptible to emotional reactions I am to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, without a doubt, though, every single time Marley and me, uh, which now would mean even more. And I don't, I still don't know if I could watch it nowadays. Uh, but. Man, it sounds silly, but uh, these days when I watch Return of the King and the the ending, mm. always it always it gets me every time. Like one tear, it's like one little like manly tear, it gets me. But um, yeah, I find I connect a little bit more with with good movies these days for sure. When like there's a good exposure of uh, of emotion, like the actor does a good job, I re- I feel it a little bit more. Yeah. So, but definitely, yeah. I remember Marley and me when I first watched it. I was fairly young, and uh, it just hurt my soul because mm-hmm. you people know that pain and you never forget it. Um, and it hurts. Yeah, it hurts a lot. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but it's my understanding that it's just it literally is a movie about just life with a dog. Yeah, and this amazing a, dog, right? Yeah, and it's, it's a great like, movie. Yeah, it's a good lesson for everybody and a emotional wound <laughs> we should try to probably watch through it i think a lot of people's movie would be based on a dog which mine is mm-hmm. so the one movie the top one that comes to mind is togo really holy shit that got me like i never expected i watched that movie don't watch long. marley and me bro because okay. togo didn't hold a candle to it <laughs> i don't know man okay that's fine um yeah, I watched that movie alone at like at like six thirty a.m. in Gaylord when I was like, you know, right before I went to PTA school or something like in two thousand whenever it came out. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, sweet, cool, really cool story about a sled dog. Willem <laughs> Dafoe's in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, like, it's gonna be cool. And yeah, it ripped your heart out at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the top one. And then, uh, but the ending of it was happy. That was the thing. Togo, man, he lived a. Badass, yes. long, healthy life. Yes, but the thing is about those movies, you undoubtedly just reflect it internally and onto yourself. Yeah. And you put yourself in the emotion of that guy with your own dog, mm-hmm. right? Where you know that you and you, whether you still have your dog or not, that time is going to come and it's just emotional, you know? Um, I do, yeah. So it's like... It was that type of thing. It wasn't like, oh, Togo did his job and he lived a great life. The true story of Togo, we did. The ending is different yeah. than the movie. Still emotional, but um, the way it was described, Willem Dafoe is just looking at his dog and Togo, he's like, he's finally free and he's sitting on the rock, but it was just like him hallucinating or whatever. 
It was like fuck. Okay, water. Yeah, yeah that 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 guy. That part hard. was rough. I do remember that. That was like, when he's talking about his dog. It's 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 emotional. Yep. So, and yep. then the other one I will say was also Lord of the Rings. I don't ever wallow or anything of it, but the music when the hobbits are being like kneeled, you bow to no one. Like mm. that whole part was just like the music is going. It's just childhood for me, and like really really good feelings. I'll tell you what, the music from Lord of the Rings, man. Every time I put on the some of the iconic songs from any of those movies the emotions all the like the excitement it's immediately there and i can picture the entire scene and uh nothing better than playing some of those songs while you're working out because it makes it epic <laughs> yeah makes it seriously epic the music is some of the best howard shore didn't have to go so hard <laughs> yeah well, had no business going that hard uh, if I die, you gotta play that at my funeral. Just the the Shire music on repeat, I, yeah. And then as I'm being first, buried you can down, do the same. <laughs> okay, as I'm buried down, you gotta do the. Oh no, I'm not doing put, put that. Me out, put me out, that, epic. No, put me out, I epic. Want, I don't want you to be. No, I'll I'll do the the song when Gandalf charges down the uh, the the hillside to save Helm's Deep. What is that one like? Oh, can't man. remember. You're going to ask me to do that. I can't. I can't even do it. But it's like the high pitched woman uh, oh. as they're charging down the hill. It's not like, like yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, man. Yeah. I got to watch that movie. I watched Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring uh, last week. Yeah. So Two Towers is coming soon. Man, cool. That, cr- that kills me every time. One time I was doing a running workout and that song came on. Because you can hear them, they ride up to the edge of the hill, and there's very like there's very little music, and then uh, Gandalf says, Third and King, you stand alone." And Aramir rides up and says, <laughs> "But not alone." And then uh, Aragorn looks up and says, "Gandalf or whatever." And then uh, Gandalf, f- fuck, dude. And then like they all just charge down the hill to the king. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man. I mean, I don't know how anyone can dislike that movie. I'm sorry. And then the, the charge on the Pelennor Fields, too, mm-hmm. uh, when the Rohirrim charges the Pelennor Fields. Mm. Swords will be broken. Shields will be splintered. I think some of the best parts of those movies is that they actually kept the dialogue from the books. They pulled yeah. straight out. And it, yes, objectively to like the average viewer, kind of like hard to follow sometimes what they're saying, like compared to like, uh, fucking Autobots and sh- bullshit. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. It's so so good if you actually. Tolkien have emotional, was literally a wizard with words, and uh, it was obviously shown. Like when you look at Rings of Power compared to Lord of the Rings, even in The Hobbit too, stuff that was taken directly from his writing, and especially these motivational speeches, like it hits yeah. every time. I mean, every time ride out with me. Ride out and meet them. Yes. yes. Every time they do do a charge and they do a, a hype up talk, it's always like, I got to listen to that again because I don't know what he said, but I really liked it. But I don't know exactly what he said. I mean, the same thing with Aragorn right before they charge a black gate. Yeah. A Sunday something. Is that what he says at that point? No. No. Death. No, oh, that's, no that's the dude. charge. Of, yeah, that's yeah. Thaden. A sword um, day. A red day. And the sun rises. <laughs> yeah, like what does that mean? I don't know, but sounds awesome. 
Um, yeah. I don't know what Aragorn says. Aragorn, I think he just says for Frodo. I see you a fear that would take the heart of me. Oh, God. But it is not this day. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. For Frodo. Yeah, dude. That, that will get me every time. I'll jump off a fucking cliff for that one. And I have. Yeah, you sure have. <laughs> <laughs> this really... I appreciate this conversation a lot. This, man, music. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, beautiful. That went far. Uh, you want to go? Yeah, actually, it's a perfect segue into my next question. Um, if you could pick named character or just a general person that you would be in the Middle Earth universe, oh, who would you be? What would you do? Where would you live? That is a crazy segue. <laughs> That's literally your question? Yeah. Okay. You wrote that down. Um, easy, easy, low-hanging fruit. I'd be a hobbit. Who wouldn't want to be a hobbit? I think that it's super chill. You got everything you need. That being said, the lesson of a hobbit is that you're too comfortable. Just like the conversation we just had, which this might not yeah. make sense with how we release the ep- episodes, <clears throat> but you know, you got to have some discomfort, hence Bilbo and Frodo. But I, uh, easy answer, straight answer, I'd, I'd probably want to be a hobbit and just live a chill life, smoke my pipe weed, have all the foods I want, you know, frolic yeah. in these amazing green fields and live a good life, long life. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree and I'm going to throw a remix onto it because there was a group of hobbits early in the third age. It was a battle called the battle of Fornost in the Northern parts of uh, middle earth and hobbits, hobbit archers were sent as reinforcements. Oh, so like, cool. I want to be a, I want to be a hobbit archer that had a <clears throat> badass adventure and then came home and like had got to live the good life. Cause hobbits truly do even Tolkien, like, he identified as a hobbit, basically. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, shit, who would? Yeah. I mean, that, they're so relatable. That's why, for humans, right? You have seven different meals a day, breakfast, 11Zs, tea, yeah. lunch. Se- second breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Afternoon tea. <laughs> Dinner. Supper. Yeah, that uh, hopefully, so in the, the newly uh, uh, unveiled Middle Earth movies or whatever, the War of the North, which was like... Um, so the, the witch king, he was a, a man who was a king in the northern parts of Middle-earth uh, in the kingdom of Angmar. And obviously, he became enslaved to Sauron, right? The giver of gifts. And uh, he waged war on the men of elves. So the elves of Eriador, Eriador, I mean, and then um, the kingdom of Arnor. He completely destroyed the northern kingdom of Arnor, which was the, the... So Arnor and Gondor were the two main kingdoms of the men, like Numenorians that sailed over from Numenor. And, like, this dude waged war. At, he was a witch king at this time, but, like, waged war on all of these people and effectively destroyed all of it. Um, but that's when the Battle of Fornos was in that war, and that's when the hobbits got sent. And they were, I mean, it was dwarves, elves, men, hobbits all fighting against the witch king the witch king like for real for real if they want to do some cool shit with the the new movies they're talking about the witch king needs to be the guy he really does need to be the guy because he uh he did some 
awesome shit. Sauron didn't really do anything in the entire Third Age except for sit in his tower and send people around. The Witch King was out there yeah, that would be doing cool. shit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was a deep dive into lore. That'd be cool. Yeah, they are doing some new movies, so we'll see what they do. Uh, I'm on board. We're going to go back to mine because I think you have three questions. I have a couple more, so we'll go. Uh, yeah. What was one thing you've done in life that you instantly regretted? Yeah, when I read this question, I immediately knew what it was going to be. I was in uh, sixth grade, and there was this girl that I had some classes with, and she was super cool. I'm not going to say her name because I'm sure she doesn't listen, but either way. Um, at that point in my life, I had zero confidence, zero ability to do anything that resembled flirting. And I remember one day, because this is when we still had landlines, uh, I was talking to her on the phone after school, and I like asked her out. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing, but I asked her out. Super cute. Cool girl. We were good friends. And she said she would talk to me in person about it tomorrow at school. I was like, okay. Um, yeah, there was a lot of anxiety. And at the time, I was hanging out with some kind of douchey kids. I was living in Kentucky. And the next day, in the middle of class, uh, or like before class, and I was sitting with some of my douchey friends, she asked me, why do you want to date me? And my response, without even thinking about it, because I thought it was cool, I said, because I'm desperate. (laughs) And that is one of my biggest regrets. Now it all worked out, obviously. Well, How it worked out? What did she go out with you? Well, I married yeah. Connor. <laughs> Let's see. The thing is, I needed to say that in order to meet Connor. Yeah, I. That's yeah, but uh, um, crazy, no. Man. As a young man who um, had an interesting history with trying to get a girlfriend and whatever, this girl was way out of my league, and she actually was interested in me, and that's what I said, and I could is never. I can never work my way back from yeah. that. <laughs> Did she just... Okay, do you remember what happened? Did she just walk... Shoot. We, we continue yeah, to be friends. Yeah, but in that moment, was um, she like... Huh. Honestly, I yeah. don't really remember. It was like uh, I yeah. kind of blacked out, and then I remember like my idiot friends were like, Oh, dude, that was so funny. Like, I hate you guys. Kids. Uh, yeah. Well... Biggest thing I regret. Yeah, I mean, you're a good guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you learned from your no. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we've all said dumb shit, yeah. but that's pretty fucking funny. I think the, the thing that I in- instantly regretted the most was in 11th grade or so, we had a huge rainstorm in Dearborn, and we had the Rouge River that flowed through Dearborn. Really disgusting river uh, growing up. I think they've since yeah. cleaned it up quite a bit. And a huge rainstorm, everything's flooded. If you go to a park called Ford Field, it's like a hill and it goes down into like a valley type of place where the Rouge River goes. So if there was ever flooding, it's there. Um, so we decided to buy, me and my friends decided to buy a blow up raft from Toys R Us. And we're like, <laughs> hey, let's go on the fucking flooded, flooded lake park because <laughs> it's supposed to be a park, usually a field, but now it's a lake. Let's do it. So that's what we did. We got a raft to me and my buddy, uh, Jake got on the blow up raft and we started like paddling and it's like, oh, this is fun. And, uh, <laughs> then we go up to like the river and the river is moving. Like it's flowing, uh, pretty fast. And 
Jake was like, I don't think we should go on that river. And I was like, no, man, it'll be fun. It'll be cool, man. We'll move fast, dude. It'll be good. <laughs> we're going to go. And he's like, okay. So we like paddled out there and like hung onto a tree and then we're like, all right, let's let go. So we let go of the tree. And that's the moment that I instantly regretted. Instant regret. Because then I looked, oh, 200 feet ahead of me and there's the bridge. What happens <laughs> when there's a bunch of flooding? The river rises up there's no and there's hole. no room to go under yeah. the bridge. Yeah. So we the river really was moving quite fast and we smacked the side of the bridge get sucked under we lose the raft and we uh, get i get spit out like another i don't even know how far down the river but i got spit out finally came up and like swam over to the edge and jake jake was swam (laughs) over like a little bit before me and oh my god i smell horrible and could have died really easily uh, there could have been anything yeah, under that sure. bridge. I think about that at night of like, you know, yep. er, yeah, could have been irrational or things like, yeah. oh, there's a net under there or something like, and I would have died. But like, yeah, that was easily or very regrettable because stupid, stupid choice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't die. I'm glad Me Jake too. didn't yeah. die too. No, no, Did he? he's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're both living successful lives. Yes. We recovered. <laughs> All right, this is specific to you. What's been the best part about marriage versus dating? Uh, the best part about marriage versus dating. Is this like dating, D- dating your wife. my wife yep. or dating or dating in general? Okay, I'll do I'll say this. So the best thing from dating to marriage, okay. I'll do that. Um marriage Man, talk about a truth couch moment. This was a truth couch moment Connor and I had. And I remember I didn't know how to bring this up. And I, it was kind of like when we first, first couple months we were together, I kind of was thinking on it and whatever. And then finally I said, okay, we, we need to chat. And we, we say this thing when we have to have a real talk. It's called having a truth couch. And um, so I sit down and I say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is not the right word to describe it, but this is the word I'm going to use. Since we've been together, I have felt that our relationship has been kind of boring. And she's like, oh, okay. You know how she is, like asking questions and not being judgmental and how wonderful she is. And in the midst of the conversation, I come up with this better word. I said, no, that's not the word I'm thinking of. The the word is, it's stable. And so younger me, maybe, this is what younger me always wanted, was this relationship with Connor. And in the dating world, Prior to her, it was chaos. It was instability. It was, you know, doing crazy shit and trying to get the attention of whoever, uh, whatever. And like objectively looking back on it, like there was some fun times too. It wasn't all bad, but nine times out of 10, it led to disappointment and frustration and feelings of worthlessness and like just general bad and i wasn't the person that i wanted to be so the stability and the support of my relationship that i've that we've developed and just connor by the way she is has allowed me to become the person that i am and do the things that i've done and i honestly can't say that i would have been able to do it with anyone else because she is so understanding and so patient and so calm and I get a wild hair up my ass about something. She goes along with it and she doesn't fight me on it, whatever, because that happened. You like 
mm-hmm. you know that. And uh, she's just really great. And the mm-hmm. stability, uh, it al- has allowed me to grow in a really good way. That's the area where I, where you should be comfortable <laughs> is in your relationship. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's a good word. Good point. So yeah. in that truth, I'm going to dig a little bit in that truth couch moment where you're like, it's no, it's not boring. It's stable. What was like the outcome? Um, I think I had a better understanding of like the, what mm-hmm. I was feeling. It was, it was like, cause I, I, when I, I remember prior to Connor and I getting together, the couple relationships prior that I had, it was fucking craziness. Like crazy people, unstable personalities and, and yeah, seriously. Um, like, and that led to me who at that time was very much like seeking out belonging and acceptance and love and all these things. Um, I was sort of drawn to that because I didn't think I deserved, you know, anything else. And I just thought that's how it was. And when I made the commitment finally, and was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing online dating. I'm not going to like fuck around and wait for someone to figure their shit out or whatever. As soon as I made that commitment to myself, like Mm -hmm. Connor appeared, she was there the whole time. And I tell her this all the time. We met in 2013, 2014. And, um, I always tell her like, I wasn't, I wasn't the man that I need uh, that I should have been for you at that point. Yeah. I wasn't ready for you. Um, it wouldn't have worked out. It would have been bad. And I'm really happy it, it, it would never even happened. Um, I would have never even had the confidence anyway to approach somebody like that. Um, and so, yeah, like I can't remember exactly what your question was, but I'm just thinking back on yeah. the whole process. Uh, so my question was, in that truth counts moment, what what was the outcome of like you becoming truthful about? Hey, I feel stable. Was it like a bad oh, thing yeah. that you felt? Was it, it was like no? Hey, I nope. applaud this right now. It was coming to terms with kind of where things were. Like I was, I was no longer craving mm. the chaos. I was getting used to the the stability, and it was a weird adjustment because of the way yeah. things had been. Um, cause even when I had like made a commitment to myself to not deal with craziness, I still was like putting myself out there and trying to have meaningful relationships and trying to, you know, cause ultimately I wanted to end up with a partner and I wanted to, you know, that was the goal. So like I was seeking it out. Um, and to get into the situation that I ended up in with Connor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good thing, but it took me a minute to like fully, it took my minute, uh, a minute for my brain to like conceptualize yeah. what was actually yeah. happening. I think, I think maybe it's pretty common to be confused, get confused, boring versus stable and supported. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that. Like, man, this relationship is so boring. It's like, yeah, maybe that's a good thing that you're not out like at the yeah. bar every night and getting fucking <laughs> hammered and getting in arguments and having makeup sex. Like maybe that's yeah. not healthy. Yeah, I think you said something. I don't even know what it was, but it made me have this thought of you're about to have a child. And by the time this releases, he's probably might be here. Um, But yeah, uh, as kids grow up, I think it might be really important for parents to express how their relationship started and the things that they had to go through when the child is like the kid Mm. is ready, you know, mature enough to understand. Yeah, it'd be like a decade maybe at least. 
so they know like that relationships because as a kid we see our parents and we're like oh boom boom perfect perfect you guys are here and it's it's, it's just it's always that's how been it like is that. yeah it's the way it is yeah and that's not the way it is um for yep. i mean every, everybody has their struggles so i think as kids grow up maybe that's pretty important to get as a parent to make them help them understand that uh relationship expectations maybe so i'm getting at um yeah, yeah good okay well let's let's bow on that one how about we move on yeah let's move on let me ask you a question this is sort of yeah, a silly question it. um which is good we need a silly question how many chickens do you think it would take to kill an elephant hmm hmm like what's a chicken's weapon is it their beak peck picking they got their beaks and their talons 1200 chickens yeah to kill an elephant a full-grown elephant yeah 12 yeah yeah over time or like (laughs) hey holy shit if that (laughs) elephant doesn't move it's gonna die because i feel like one chicken could kill an elephant over time yeah just, just wait it out <laughs> wait till wait but elephants live for sure, like but you decades. wait for the elephant to fall asleep you crawl up its trunk you peck its eyes out <laughs> elephant can't see elephant walks off a cliff elephant's dead oh yeah that's sure but i think i think playing the long game or the, the short, short game, game here yeah. i'm gonna say actually go up i'm gonna say four thousand yeah that's my spread I actually don't know if chickens by attacking the elephant could actually kill the elephant. I don't know if there's a number of chickens. So I am going to go out on a limb here and say the only way that this could happen is if however many chickens equal however many tons of weight that it would require to squish an elephant were dropped from overhead um, from some sort of mechanical (laughs) device. Probably like a shipping container or multiple shipping containers full of chickens dropped on top of an elephant. Um, the chicken that broke the yeah, elephant's back, that's, right? I mean, yeah. Sir, yeah, right. I mean, had multiple yeah. tons I of agree. chickens. I agree. I don't think any amount of chicken could kill an elephant as like they're just running around. Because what are they going to... The elephant's yeah. going to fucking stomp and it's... Yeah. What are they going to do? They're yeah. not organized. They, they're they chickens, got no bro. brains. Like. <laughs> they're going to lay an egg. Elephants are smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's got to be strategy involved. So, okay. Yeah. Um, what is one thing that you think all men should be able to do? What is one thing I think all men should be able to do? That's a man. That's a great question. I think all men should be able to balance compassion and strength so there's a saying don't take my kindness for weakness and it's a very fine balance between being compassionate and empathetic and um, all of these things that i i believe make a man a man you have to have all of those things to be healthy but also having the flip side of that where it's like you're ready to go you're Mm -hmm. ready for war too you know all of the all of those things being able to be in touch with your emotions and also you know defend what's yours i would absolutely would agree 100 percent. that is what it is and the thing that i think of the most with that hearing what you said was it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in yes. war. 
I was think I was trying to think of that. I'm like, fuck, I can't remember that awesome saying about a gardener and a warrior. That, that's what it is. <laughs> I think you know you should be you should be gentle enough to be touch a flower and whatever you know you know whatever and, and then but yeah, be able to fucking yeah. kill someone not literally but get after your shit yeah get after what you yep. need to do right you can you can be a like a warrior poet type thing like i think that's that's something that's really missing in today's society and i think there's a lot of fakers too like a lot of dudes who put out this like oh you got to be tough and masculine and whatever like there's so much we could do a whole episode on masculinity and we're not going to do it right now, but there's so much to what makes a man, a man. And a lot, and there is all of the, the physical strength, the mental strength, the like charisma, like, and like you said, being able to defend and take a life if necessary, but also all of the other stuff mm-hmm. that you need to be able to be in touch with your emotions. You need to be able to be emotionally strong as well. Emotionally and, intelligent. Um, I think that's an emotionally, very emotionally intelligent. Absolutely. So, yeah, cool. love it. Yeah, I would love question. to jump on that. That's great. Um, how, you have one more. Yeah, uh, I kind of i i read you had a list of questions that, and I read them, so I kind of picked some more silly okay. ones for you. What would your weapon of choice be in a zombie apocalypse? Okay, here's the thing with this. I got to have more details because am I picking like a hammer or a gun or am I picking like uh, things that I can outfit? Like what the, what are you, what, te- you're telling me what I would imagination. do. Okay. So zombie cop breaks yeah. out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking a, 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 a Dodge Ram like TRX or a Ford Raptor Ranger. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm outfitting it with like, shit in the front of it i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'll figure it out i'm gonna like put spikes or like a snow plow type of deal in the front where i can just plow through things or like a v-shape right i'm gonna v-shape something just so like like a train trying to go through the snow you know what i'm saying um so if there's zombies i'm plowing through i don't care the doors are gonna have like things that flip up like little swords coming out of the edge of the side i'm gonna mow (laughs) mow things down if i have to that would be my first weapon of choice. Bulletproof. Not, I mean, like really, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to, I can't replace glass, but I'm going to have regular standard glass. that came from the factory on the truck. Okay. Um, and then from there, yeah. um, uh, I got to have like a rooftop tent on top of there. Um, because what else are you going to do? <laughs> um, I guess you could stay in like a broken down hotel, but, um, that's not a weapon. Yeah. The weapon is the car. Outside of the, you just got to like outfit it with armor. Like you see those semi trucks with like the spikes coming out of the rims. You got to have those. Yeah. You got to have fat tires. Yep. Gas is free at this point. So, I mean, do what you need to do to your truck. That's what I'm doing. I uh, I'll only provide one, uh, not criticism, but thought on that. If you were thinking you want to like put a, they call them cow catchers on trains. That's what the the the, the okay. thing in the front was and uh you want to put something like that on man you should be driving a super duty at least like here's a little thing. more torque here's the thing pushing power that. i understand realistically i think i understand that but i'm trying to sell a movie here okay so the ford raptor <laughs> ranger or ford Ra- raptor or the trx that looks real good yeah right you gotta look yeah. good when you're trying to survive i mean yes oh, of yeah. course a super duty i'm on board 
wearing yeah, some aviators. aviators. Yeah, you'll be Kevlar, cowboy hat. Yeah, that's great. I didn't think about any of that. I literally was like, I would probably take, I would want body armor, like a a knight suit of armor, almost type thing. Uh, except probably not made out of steel. Maybe something more modern, and then um, have like Viking axes, like hatchets. It's a little too personal for me, but I could see you doing that for sure. I'm just saying, like, you know, you're impervious to biting and, you know, scratching and whatever. And the hatchets are multi-purpose. So if you have a sword, what are you going to do with a sword besides kill zombies with? True. Yeah. With a hatchet, I can chop some wood, chop meat, whatever. Chop meat with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cool. I, 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 you had a much I like, bigger vision I like the idea than I did. I appreciate that. Running over and never seeing again. I don't want to see the fruits of my destruction. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's start wrapping this up. Last question. What is one thing you had to learn the hard hard way? That's a man. I love this question. The one thing I had to learn the hard way was. I can't always have what I want for nothing. I was a difficult child growing up. I was relentless, and typically I got what I wanted from my parents purely because I didn't take no for an answer. I was fairly spoiled. I'm open to admitting that. And my, one of my biggest lessons in my adult life is nobody gives a shit who you think you are, you got to go out and earn what you're going to get. Um, I've had a lot of help in my life from my parents and from my family, which I very deeply and greatly appreciate. But when it, when the rubber meets the road, no one's going to give anything to you. You have to earn it. You got to mm-hmm. work for it. Um, and that was something I did not understand. Uh, even as a, you know, early to mid twenties um, just expected kind of everything to be handed to me. I agree. I agree with both two of your answers completely. Uh, the last two answers. Yeah. That was the hardest lesson I learned. I thought when I, the one thing for me was I thought when I graduated college and I had my degree, I was going to go work at the gym and people were just going to line up and want to work with me because <laughs> wow, on the internet, on the website it says Jared has an exercise science degree. That's what I thought, but no one gives a fuck. No one gives a shit. Yeah, it's true. Build relationships. I think continue to build relationships. That's what's going to sell you. But yeah, nothing's ever going to be given to you. That was a yep. pretty tough lesson because we're because we're, yeah, nobody cares. We're like really, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's the way yeah. the world is, and I I think that's like our job, in with our age bracket and our generation to teach people that are younger than us is the way the world actually works. And you, you touched on this in our last episode when you're in college, you think you're going to change the world. And like, I remember when I was going through college and thinking, I'm going to go into, I'm going to go work at uh, a DHS, be a foster care worker, and I'm going to change the world. And I'm going to really like break the system. People are going to want help. You know, yeah, you're going to help people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Like people are going to line up and want, me to fix their problems and while i was in that internship i remember my internship supervisor 
the best thing he did for me and the thing I learned the most, he said, no matter how hard you fight, things are not going to go your way all the time. And there was a situation that popped up that I can't share the details about just because it was, uh, I'm not, not HIPAA, but uh, just yeah. privacy stuff. And it happened early in the morning, and I was pissed. I'm like, this is not right. There's no way that this should be allowed. This, this is completely immoral and wrong, and this is not what we're supposed to do. What are we even doing here if we can't fix these basic problems? And he looked at me, and he was like, I think you've learned all you need to today, and you're okay to like yeah. go home. <laughs> um, he, he sent me home early because like, my bubble had burst. The balloon had burst. And uh, that was a really hard day. And I've had a lot of really positive interactions. Uh, I had a lot of really good interactions in my social work life. But, like, man, so much of what he said to me was always, it was just, there was so much truth behind it. Um, nobody gives a shit until they do. Until they, until they do. Problem. Because they're, Yep, and some people never do. And it's not your job, it's not my job to fix them if right. they don't want it. Excellent point. That's a hard lesson because you can't create change where change isn't wanted. And then going into people's homes, I go into people's homes and you literally, literally cannot become emotionally invested in this job. And when people do get really good care from like a nurse or a doctor or therapist, they are like so appreciative because that patient is emotionally invested to begin with. I'm just a word for anybody out there. If you don't care about your situation or your health, the therapist nurse isn't going to care either. That's just the fucking yeah, truth. True. They're going to do their job the way they, they know how to do it. That's up to code and standard, but they're not going to become emotionally invested <clears throat> and make a huge change in your life because you're not yep. there to do it first. And that was a hard lesson yeah. for me, for sure, too. That's a great point. I, fu- I, I love that, what you just said, because that is so true. And that is the 100% reality. It's hard, yeah, because as p- good people, you and I, we want to help those people, but they don't want the help. Yeah. They like the, their, their choices. You're going to go in and you're going to do your job that you're paid to do. I remember the kids always used to tell me, like, you're just here for a paycheck. And I always used to tell them, like, no, I'm, I'm actually not. I don't get paid that much. I'm here to help you. And if I could go back and do anything, I would have looked them straight in their faces and be like, you're right. I'm here for a paycheck. I'm also here to help you if you want it. Like, that's the truth. That's the truth. Like, I can't help you do anything if you don't want it. I'm going to be here and I'm going to do my job and I'm going to go home at the end of my shift and I'm going to collect my paycheck and live my life. And if you want help and you want what I have to offer, you let me know. But otherwise, shut up and sit down, you know, or whatever. Like, man, that's God. That's I love it. That's so true. Well, let's pack it up there, man. Uh, this was random questions found on the Internet and of brain, our brains that we came up with for ourselves. Hopefully you you had some good answers to them. Thought provoking. Throw them in your cocktail party and um, leave us yeah. a rating or review on iTunes. It really helps us a lot. We really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. We'll be here next week again on the Weekly Warrior Podcast, and Corey's going to take us out with one more message. Give us an answer to one of the questions that we asked today. Let us know what you, what you think about that. So, yeah, appreciate you all. See you next week. Thank you. We like meat. <laughs>